for tuning in to Microbiome Matters, a podcast for healthcare professionals and researchers brought to you by Yakult Science. This podcast aims to share latest research and insights from experts about the science behind our gut microbiome. Hello, my name is Raphael and I'm the Science Communications Intern at Yakult. Today, we are joined by Professor Glenn Gibson, who is a Professor of Food Microbiology at the University of Reading and his current research is dominated by gut microbiome interactions and dietary intervention. In our previous episode, we talked about how the gut microbiota changes during the life course. And so, in this episode, we're going to talk about what the microbes within our gut are actually doing. So to begin, what would you say are the main roles and responsibilities of the commensal bacteria within our gut? Well, they aid digestion for a start. In an adult, they are able to degrade about 100 to 200 grams of food every day. So they optimize our digestive process, if you like. But I think one of the main functions is something called homeostasis, which is the ability to build up defense in the gut. And that includes the immune system. It also includes other factors that the microbiota can offer. But basically what's going on is that our microbiota helps us to really resist things like infections and other issues like atopic issues, eczema, asthma. So it's building our defense and in return we feed our microbiota with nutrients through our diet. So it's a good dual relationship. Speaking of a dual relationship, we know that fermentation is an important role of commensal bacteria. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Are there certain bacteria that take on this role? And what are the benefits to us? So fermentation is the really the process of food digestion by the microbiota, although there are some sources of substrates inside the gut as well. So they, the gut itself can provide substrates for the microbiota like mucins, but the main source for fermentation is diet. So that's a mixture of carbohydrates, proteins, vitamins, fats, typical things in our diet, which the human body has not digested and is left behind for the microbiota. And in the case of are there certain bacteria that carry out this role, probably all of them get involved to some extent. But there's certainly cross relationships where some of the first feeders will have a go first and some of the products from them then may fortify others. And in very general terms, carbohydrate metabolism is good for health because it makes organic acids or short chain fatty acids. The main ones are acetate, propionate and butyrate. And these can have health effects pretty much all over the body. I read something a few weeks ago, someone had suggested that the gut microbiota could influence 12 other organs in the body, and that's through the products which which they manufacture. So organic acids are very important for health. As you just mentioned, these short-chain fatty acids or organic acids are important bacterial metabolites. But I've also heard that bacteria produce vitamins. How do our gut bacteria help us get the vitamins we need? They produce B vitamins and K vitamins mainly. I'm not so sure whether in the large intestine they make a massive contribution to overall vitamin load because we do get vitamins for our diet as well. And if we take vitamin supplements, of course, that's another route. But certainly, yes, they do produce vitamins. And so, you know, the concept bacteria produce negative entities is something which has dominated microbiology since it really started. But actually, nowadays, I think we begin to see them as a little bit more friendly than we otherwise thought the case. And vitamin production helps, as does short-chain fatty acids. That's very interesting. 
So then how would you say the gut microbiota supports the general health of our gut? There's a few ways. Boosting the immune system is one, but also they can have very direct effects upon pathogens. So this is the microbes which can do harm. For instance, the organic acids themselves reduce pH and pathogens don't like an acidic environment. Also, some components of the microbiota can make antimicrobial agents like small peptides, which hopefully inhibit uh, their pathogens. And then obviously, last but not least, the straightforward competition. It's a very competitive ecosystem and there's a big scrap, if you like, for nutrients and colonization sites. And what we want to make sure is that the goodies win that fight. So competition, direct interactions and immune stimulation are the mechanisms. I'll definitely make a note of those. You also previously mentioned that the gut microbiota supports our immune system and helps protect us against pathogens such as harmful bacteria and viruses. Can you tell us about the way the gut microbiota acts as a physical barrier within our gut lining? So it's actually the most immunological active organ in the body. People have estimated that something like 70% of our immune system is in the gut. And it's something called GALT, G-A-L-T. And the, the long name for that is gastrointestinal associated lymphoid tissue. And, you, you know, we're always in science. There's always lots and lots of jargons, you know, people playing games with big words. But it's basically the immune system and something like approaching three quarters arises in the gut. And in terms of how they fortify the gut barrier, it's largely through their products because something, for instance, like butyric acid, which is one of the main SCFA, short-chain fatty acids, is a good fuel for gut cells and it helps them to function properly. And butyrate has been shown to control barrier function after it is produced in the gut. There's also the effects of, of low molecular weight peptides like zonulin, which also control uh, the barrier influence. So there's, as usual with the gut microbiota, there's more than one mechanism going on, but it is, again, related generally to the products that they make. There's also a huge body of evidence looking at how the gut microbiota supports the immune system. Can you give us a brief explanation of how the gut microbiota and the immune system interact? Yes, well, it, it's actually really straightforward. Bacteria and most microbes are antigenic. In the case of bacteria, that's mainly because of their cell wall. So their cell wall is a good source of antigens. So the carbohydrates, the proteins, the lipopolysaccharides, the tachoic acids, all of these constituents within a bacterial cell wall can have antigenic properties, which means they can stimulate antibodies. So that's a direct example of immune enhancement, but also they can stimulate, in some cases, non-specific immune response, which is generally mediated by T cells, NK cells. And last but not least, and I think this is very relevant, that some gut bacteria can mediate inflammatory processes. Now, in some cases, that it so happens that that increases inflammation, but other examples are when bacteria can actually decrease inflammation. And some of the more positive entities in the gut, like bifidobacteria and lactobacilli, have been seen to stimulate anti-inflammatory cells or cytokines. So the overall immune system is modulated and if we get it right, we can reduce inflammatory processes, which is obviously a very good thing. It's actually quite interesting that there may be this relationship between our gut microbiota and our inflammatory response. If we go back to our last episode, we talked about early life exposures that influence the development of our gut microbiota. How important is the gut microbiota in the development of our immune system? 
Well, I think we're finding that the gut microbiota is important for every <laughs> everything in the world these days. But I think that's rather an exaggeration. But yes, again, early life exposures do influence the microbiota. There's differences between cesarean and vaginal route of deliveries. But I think what I can really pick on is some great studies which showed that early immunological processing or programming in the gut could influence susceptibility to atopic issues like eczema and asthma and that susceptibility was held together for five years after birth and so studies have been done with kind of prebiotics to stimulate a positive gut microbiota during infancy and that has reduced the atopic rates and in the case of the atopic rates that reduction was for five years so that's a long time for these early challenges to be kind of manifest and go on, you know, almost through the early few years of childhood, in fact. So really, it's I think that is proof that early exposures do count for, for longer than we might have anticipated. Leading on from that, do we know whether alterations in the gut microbiota are seen in those with certain acute or chronic immune-related conditions, such as upper respiratory tract infections and asthma, are a cause or effect of the condition? That's a really hard one because the whole area of cause and effect is very difficult to prove. I think we can look at, for instance, high levels of clostridia in, in autistic children. We can look at influences upon, as you mentioned, respiratory issues, other immune-related conditions and see that the gut microbiota may be so-called different. And I think that a whole range of clinical states, that that is the case. And whether it's cause or effect, we don't really know. But in a way, it doesn't really matter because if there is something which is kind of not good news, for instance, the high levels of clostridium and autism, we need to tackle that. We need to deal with it. And and whether it's it's a cause or effect issue, it is still there and needs to be dealt with. So I don't really mind that we can't definitively prove cause and effect, but because there is that effect and if it is negative, we should try and address it. And the whole area of respiratory trap issues which you raised, obviously something which has hit the news over the last year or just under a year. And we now know that this, this virus does occur in the gut as well as the respiratory tract. It has the same receptor sites. It causes an inflammatory cascade. We already discussed how certain bacteria can dampen inflammation. And I'm very encouraged by recent studies which have come out from Italy, which have shown that probiotic intervention to try and improve the gut microbiota has had positive effects on COVID patients. So, you know, there's too many parts of a jigsaw puzzle to ignore here. And also, you know, the overall effects upon immunity are another another angle to this. We have seen studies in the past where both pro and prebiotics have influenced respiratory tract infections. It was a really excellent study from Keene University in Germany, for instance. And so I think that these kinds of interventions are probably more important today than they've ever been. You've definitely brought up some interesting points there. And there have also been a rise in the number of allergies over the past few decades. Do you think this has anything to do with our gut microbiota? Not necessarily. I think it's more the case that we've got better at detecting and reporting such issues. And it's like anything, if, if the testing is improved, you get more results. You know, for instance, people have often said, well, the rates of food poisoning increase in a cynical way. If, if you don't want the rates of food poisoning to increase, don't look for it. But, you know, nobody would advocate that. So I think the issue over, over allergies is at least partly explained 
by the fact that we're better with detecting and reporting these. And the same goes for gastroenteritis, food poisoning. The same goes right now for COVID. There are more cases of the COVID infection now than there were before, but there's more tests. And so you would expect that. So I think that's probably more of a, of a reason for the increase in allergies than actually the gut microbiota. That's quite an interesting point, actually. Is the data strong enough to give evidence-based tips on how to improve immunity through optimising our gut microbiota? And if so, what would your top tips be? I think undoubtedly the evidence is strong enough. The gut microbiota has negative entities, positive entities and neutral. And we want to stimulate the positive ones through a natural route of diet. That would be high fibre, high starch higher oligosaccharide type diets, less on the protein. And by carbohydrate, I don't mean sugar. I think there's a common misconception that all carbohydrates are sugars. Well, they're not. Sugar is only a fraction of the carbohydrate kingdom. So I really mean fermentable carbohydrates like dietary fibers and so on. These are things which are not, not utilized by the host, but have a very positive effect on the microbiota. And then, of course, on top of that, there's a whole area of probiotic and prebiotic intervention, which I am very positive about. You look at the results, there are now... 26,000 research articles on probiotics. There are about 5,000 on prebiotics. That's 31,000 research articles in total. And that's a vast body of evidence. And it really does baffle me as to how that huge amount of information has not made its way, particularly in Europe, into claims. And I think we need to really begin to address that more thoroughly because we do need the positive messages that are certainly there with pro and prebiotics to be given to consumers in a, in a user-friendly manner, such that people know which ones have been tested in which issues, which ones to avoid, which aren't robust. And doses, the ones which are more most reliable, etc. I think we need uh, rather more clarity in that because the science is strong, but translation into consumer messages to me, at least at the moment, is not. Thank you for sharing your opinion. It's definitely something we should be thinking about. And thank you for giving us an insight into the gut microbiota in supporting our gut health and our immune system. In our next episode, we will be talking about some of the emerging roles of the gut microbiota in health and disease. Thanks for tuning in. For more information and to sign up for future episodes of our Microbiome Matters podcast, go to yakult.co.uk forward slash hcp. Thank you.